You know, when I'm actually trading a Bitcoin, what I'm actually trading is the debt that someone incurred to mine that Bitcoin extrapolated over time. So as more people join the network and it gets more and more expensive to mine Bitcoin, Bitcoin will get more expensive because the people that are mining it are going to sell it for more in order to pay the same amount of money that they're paying into the network to mine the Bitcoins. So again, that triggers another part of the game theory. This week we're going to be talking about supply issuance. It's a very, very important part of the Bitcoin network, why it works, why it's important. Verifiable scarcity, digital scarcity, complete with the computer science problem being solved of the double spend when you combine that with uh, a humongous robust system of miners validating transactions, striving for block rewards, when the protocol rewards participants directly for adding robustness and security and decentralization to the network, the Bitcoin network is doing its thing. It is roping you in, sucking you in, and rewarding you for making it bigger and stronger and more robust. It is a feedback loop that is going and it is going. There is no ceiling to this thing versus say the floor of fiat currency. Or I think this is a really great time that this topic comes up because we have what's happening right now uh, with GameStop and with Robinhood and with Citadel. And we're gonna talk about that whole thing and how it relates to supply issuance. It's very important. The problems that they are having right now in GameStop uh, and Robinhood is uh, completely would be solved by blockchain uh, in the idea that the regulatory system that is supposed to be in place to stop a situation like this happening is a centralized entity. It is, it is, a, it is a regulatory entity that's run by humans, that's elected officials um, that are paid handsomely during their off seasons of being politicians to go and do private speeches and talk and yada yada and this concept of this them being these um, knowledgeable people going to just share their it, it's just not true that's a very naive way to look at it these people are being paid for, for further future servitude and that's happening in front of our eyes and this is just a great great time to talk about why digital scarcity is important why supply issuance is, is important as we learn about short selling naked short selling how it applies to the market. So, let's just talk about GameStop right now because it's prudent and it's, it's on everyone's mind. So basically what's happening right now is Robinhood, their entire business model, it's free to, it's free to trade on Robinhood. Their entire business model, think about this, no free lunches, their entire business model is based on selling your trades before you place them to a paying customer. They're not, they're, think about the markets here. Think about everything you know about the world. Who do you think they're going to serve the best interests of? 
you, the people, or the people paying them for the data on you, the people. You are the you are the product that they are selling your data, your information, your transactions, your your financial communications. They're selling it to other people that are front running you and making decisions based on your trades. And it's a like there's a lot of bullshit that people say that it's it's a liquidity it adds liquidity and, and high frequency trading is, is, is good because liquidity and velocity and it's not. It is it is absolutely not that that case at all. It is stealing stealing from you. Stealing from the working class, stealing your value. It's fucking horseshit. So basically what happened was this hedge fund <clears throat> that uh, is basically the backers of Robinhood, the people that have put all the money into it, called Citadel, who is a just a long-standing kind of institutional hedge fund. Uh, one of the board members is Ben Bernanke, who was the uh, the Fed chair uh, not too long ago, and uh, Secretary Yellen, the the new the new newly appointed Secretary Secretary of Treasury, hasn't even gone past her one-year uh, conflict of interest from having been paid doing speeches um, directly by Citadel. So now she's in charge of regulating. This situation—it's just—it's just an absolute disaster. So, <laughs> Citadel uh, is doing—is playing a little game with Robinhood, and Robinhood figured it out, or I should say, Wall Street bets these, 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 this disorganized, decentralized, quote-unquote hedge fund noticed by looking at sort of the the algorithms and the data being presented of the markets, because there's a lot of stuff that has to be out in the open. There's tons of data, and if you're smart and you go through the data, the numbers don't lie numbers don't lie and they looked into it and they noticed that there was about a 10 to 12 million share difference between shares that actually existed and then the shares that were being currently short sold by uh, this this big shorty by this hedge fund here so uh, what these out what these traders did they they executed a brilliant trade and it was completely legal and they have every right to do it and they noticed that this group was short selling naked naked short selling GameStop so the difference between short selling and naked short selling is very different and one of them is illegal and the other is not and the reason there's a difference between the two of them is because of supply issuance and that's why it's really important to the topic of today so the difference between naked short selling and short selling I think first we should start at, well, what the fuck is short selling? Short selling is when you borrow a share and you say, <clears throat> okay, it's worth $1 now. I'm making a bet that it's going to go down to 50 cents. So I'm going to borrow your share for a buck and hold on to it for a week. And if it goes down to 50 cents, I'm going to take that money and take that money and then give you back your shares and have made the 50 cents. I made I made 50% gain from getting your your stock and I gave it back to you half half the price that I loaned it from you for. So if you're if you're do, if it's the other way around and you're longing something, you're longing a stock for a dollar, you're hoping it goes for ten, you borrow a stock, it goes up to ten, you give the you give the stocks back after a week, you close your position, you've walked away with nine dollars and you've given that person that one dollar back. Does that kind of make sense? Um, the way like longing works. So shorting is fundamentally the, the opposite of that. And for every long and short, they can they can find liquidity and do market making that is not 
necessarily as one-to-one -one as you think as like literally a human being, a peer-to-peer, -peer, like human behind is a short and there's a human buyer and it's one-to-one. -one. They have some ways of, of doing fun market making stuff and and making the, the differences um, work out. But fundamentally there's a buyer and a seller for everything, right? We've said that. So these positions has to be a buyer and a seller for everything. But if someone's naked short selling, what they're doing is they're borrowing funds, rather, they're borrowing shares that don't exist. And they're 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 collect they're paying broker fees to to hope that the stock goes down. They pay a little bit of money and they hope the stock goes down, and then they buy back all the stock on this position, and they're just this huge liquidous hedge fund that can just keep adding to this nebulous position that you can't buy them out because there's not enough stock to they're not they're not scared of being liquidated uh, because they know that no one's gonna yell at them or care that they're that they're literally loaning out 10 to 12 million more shares than exist so when people notice this the, the, they decided to take actions in their own hands, and rather than just calling up the SEC or whatever, and, or the New York Stock Exchange, and trying to report this this fraudulent trade, which you would report to the Stock Exchange, New York Stock Exchange, they're the ones in charge of listing this thing. So Robinhood is just the broker here, right? But instead of doing that, what they decided to do was, well, hey, you know what? You guys have been doing this to us for so long. So what we're going to do is we know that you basically signed a blank check that you can't possibly cash. Impossible. It can't be done. There aren't enough shares to buy back, to, to, to give back this, this plus 12 million shares that don't exist. You, they can't make those up. So what everyone decided to do was to, to, to screw over these hedge funds that have been messing with American you know, investors and, 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 and the, the, the people, the same people that gambled in 2008 that, that made all of these people lose their homes. And their, and their livelihoods and their savings, these very same people that can just get bought out and are rather bailed out when something bad happens are doing it again. So they decided instead, let's not let them close out this position. Let's just keep buying and buying and buying completely irrationally. And let's get up to the point where this stock is worth so, so, so much more past the point of what they, they were hoping it was when they took out these this, this fraudulent uh, short sell, they'll never be able to even come close. I mean, they're, they've already, it's already estimated that the, the hedge funds that have bailed out this position have already lost that money. There, there's, there's some estimation that they've lost up to almost $90 billion. I mean, this is really, that's, that's intense stuff when you think about, you know, liquidity going from a centralized, you know, sort of elite, Entity, hedge fund entity, citadel entity, this literal, I mean, it's called the citadel. I mean, this literal entity of uh, elite, let's just bail them out, who cares? Uh, let them do whatever they want. 2008, they put no financial, other than financial penalties, there's no fine, like a fine here doesn't matter. I mean, there's it's just part of the business model. They put it into the budget about their position. They've, they, they've made so much money doing this illegal thing for years and years when the regulators are in their pockets and paid by them. I mean, literally paid by them. Um, it's, a, it's a humongous conflict of, of interest. Short selling is okay. Short selling is fine. As long as you have those shares and they exist and you create a fair, comp, 
level playing field for competition. That is what equity is. It is it, equity is fair playing field comp for competition. That's what we're looking for. That's what we're striving for. Obviously, there's a lot of stuff you can talk about with when it comes to equity, but but financial equity is is a fair playing field, and this is not fair. And what this is doing right now is exposing every single person that is coming out that is having to make these statements in defense of Wall Street. You know now exactly 100% who these people are that are paid and 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 rather bought and sold by the. Uh, by these corporations, by Wall Street, and um, it's it's a pretty incredible mass awakening that's happening right now about um, how these systems work and how that's not fair. And people see these numbers and they see these people becoming millionaires off of you know you know ten thousand dollar investments, and, and 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 people begin to wake up and they go, what is this thing? We're 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 dying over here. We're, we can't afford healthcare. We can't afford to pay our rent, and yet. This sort of this sort of manipulation is happening for once on the favor of the people for for one time, and yet now they're halting trading and, and they're closing books and they're limiting how many shares you can buy of GameStop of AMC. I mean, no, it's unacceptable. It's illegal. It is. Uh, I, but but honestly, I think we should be thankful for it in the sense that they're all they're literally coming out. I mean, it's not. We can just see who they are. It's very clear. The people that are defending this actions. If anyone is saying they're helping the, the, the people by by <laughs> preventing them from buying GameStop GameStop stock, uh, they're 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 lying. They're not protecting American families. Um, they are protecting hedge funds that made a bet, and they have to um, they have to they have to face these consequences. Maybe they should have saved better, not needing so much avocado toast or whatever the fuck the lines are, okay? Maybe they should have done all that stuff. Sorry, we don't feel bad for you at all. You you asked for this and you have to deal with these consequences. And now we get to see who's really on our side and who's not. So, the supply issuance concept, this, this tokenomics concept, this thing that You've heard this 21 million dollar, 21 million bitcoins that will ever exist. You've heard this before. You, you know about it. Um, why is that so? When will all the bitcoins be mined? What is a what is a block word? What is a happening? All this stuff. Let's get into it. So the first bitcoin block was mined on the 3rd of January 2009. We've been over this before. The importance of the distributed ledger being a blockchain is that it is audible. You can see, that's with the T, audible. You can see all the way back to the very beginning, to the first Genesis block where the first Bitcoin was created, first Bitcoins were created, first Coinbase was created, the first uh, you know network transactions were starting to happen between Satoshi and Hal Finney, the first, first Bitcoin network transaction. Um, we can all go back to that first block, mined on the 3rd of January, and we can start to see all of the credits and debits that have existed through the system, all of the expressions that have happened on the Bitcoin network. I mean, just an insane amount of money that's processed over it, right? So this block's called the Genesis block, you've probably heard of it. And with it, 50 Bitcoin poofed from the protocol into uh, Satoshi's, uh, presumably the first miner. Uh, presumably into Satoshi's wallet. And from there on out, after the Genesis block, every block that came out 
added 50 new Bitcoins to the network. Uh, again, we kind of went over it last time. Every 10 minutes, on average, a new block comes out. So for the first, uh, for the first 210,000 blocks, uh, or approximately about four years later, if we go, you know, on average, 10 minutes, uh, 50 new Bitcoins every time. So 210,000 blocks, four years. So it basically until the, it was like the 28th of November, 2012, there was the, the first halving. Um, very important part of the network protocol. Exceptionally important for why Bitcoin gets harder and harder and especially prudent about why we are in the moment that we're in now in relation to inflation and the US dollar and Bitcoin. So from the Genesis block forward, 50 Bitcoins every time you win a block, you, you are rewarded from the protocol for keeping it secure and, 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 and you know completing broadcasted transactions. The protocol rewards the miners. It gives you 50 Bitcoin every 10 minutes. <clears throat> Up until November 2012, the protocol itself, it does a little check after 210,000 blocks. It, it, it cuts the block reward in half, uh, verifiably, mathematically, that will not change. Every single participant on the Bitcoin network would need to all agree to change the consensus, the Nakamoto consensus, change it to change the cap, you know, final cap supply or all that. It's never going to happen. There's absolutely no reason for it to happen. Game theory will not allow it to happen. We don't need to worry about it happening. It would have to be, it's literally impossible. It's impossible. No one would do it. There's no reason to do it. You would much, 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 much to the point of it being statistically implausible to want to do anything else. The game theory of keeping Bitcoin's protocol the way it is will always work in the favor of the person that's invested into the network. Hard stop. This has gone too far, it's too robust. We're talking about 2009 here, this thing's starting. So the first happening, 2012. First happening, we go from 50 Bitcoin to 25 Bitcoin. As this is happening, as 50 Bitcoins are churning out every 10 minutes, we're getting a pretty high inflation. Now, what that means is if every 10 minutes, so say we're starting at the very beginning, we have zero supply, then boom, 10 minutes go by, we have 50 Bitcoins. Unbelievable, we got 50 Bitcoins, cool, cool, cool. 10 minutes later, the supply's doubled. So your Bitcoin is now not nearly as scarce uh, mathematically. It's, 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 it's twice as less scarce. <laughs> um, so that obviously, you know, it, 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 it descends down percentage-wise, but more and more and more and more and more and more and more Bitcoins are being added. 50, 50, 50, 50, it's a consistent up. So. During those four years, we saw a ton of Bitcoins being created, um, a, very, a very strong percentage. And you can kind of see this graph, you can, you can look them up, these supply issuance, issuance uh, Bitcoin charts. And it's kind of this like funky curve where the block reward is the step function that goes down from 50 all the way down to zero, um, you know, eventually, you know, it approaches zero in, in infinitely. Um, so you see that step function of 50%, 50%, 50%. As the supply is, is topping off, so it, it shoots up and it's going and it's getting bigger and we're getting into, you know, 50% Bitcoins are in existence, you know, and then, you know, 60% and 70. So right now, we, the majority of all Bitcoins, this is, this is being recorded in 
in, in, in 2021. So the, the, the many happenings have happened at this point. The majority of all Bitcoins are out into the world. Um, 18 million of them plus, right? So the supply that the protocol is putting out when you when you mine a when you mine a block, right? So the actual supply of bitcoins that exists on the network that's increasing every 10 minutes. So now we had another happening after 2012. So we had the 2016 happening that it went from 25 to 12 and a half, and then on the 11th of May of 2020, which was this was the big one, it went from 12 and a half to 6.25 BTC per block. And this is a really important one because this is the first time where Bitcoin's issuance rate went below the 3% three or so that the US dollar intends to average of inflation. So the Bitcoin's issuance rate actually goes to 1.79%. Because so many Bitcoins are already out there, the majority of all Bitcoins are out, they're in people's wallets, they're in Satoshi's wallets, they're lost, they're gone forever, whatever. The majority are out. So the issuance rate is very, very low. We've cut it in half, so you know it was a little over three, and now it's 1.79. This this will only get less and less. It's going to be harder and harder and harder to source bitcoins. People are holding on to them and not spending them. There's a there's a stat called um, coin days burned, and so you can look at how long it's been since coins have moved. And we're beginning to see if you look at the available float, that's the sort of economic term for how much available stock or share, right? Uh, the, the float is just evaporating. Uh, the grayscale is buying up uh, basically every Bitcoin mined a day. I mean, there's, there's, it's under 10,000 a day uh, by far are being mined. And um, the supply issuance is, 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 is stupendous. And, and I don't think that there's any reason to be surprised that um, we've, we've seen the market volatility that we've seen in this last year, these last like 12 months, um, we've seen some pretty pretty historic volatility. Oil going sub sub zero, and they're actually paying you. You know, I mean, just the futures market exploded. The dollar is is, is at a low. Uh, just so many things that have been happening. Um, gold broke its all time high in U.S. dollar. Uh, silver had a huge rush, basically tripled. It went from like 11 to 30 bucks. Um, this is all stuff that's based on uh, the, that inflation, supply and demand stuff that we talked about last time. So as Bitcoin gets more and more along and every, every four years or every you know, 200, 10,000 blocks, the Bitcoin network gets cut in half and gets cut in half. It increases the cost for the miners, right? It increases the, how hard it is, the difficulty not the difficulty adjustment, but the difficulty of getting a Bitcoin from the network just got cut in half. So every time you win a block, you solve the super hard thing that cost you, you know, thousands of dollars of electricity to win this uh, to win this block. You're now getting half as much. So the people that are mining inefficiently are forced to sell faster, and they got to pay their costs faster because they're getting half as much income. And and it and it just sort of triggers this other sort of a step function. There's a step function within this dynamic uh, economic system. So when the step function goes, very big things can happen. Um, that's sort of the, the, just the nature of kind of the rhetoric of, 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 of waves and of, of dynamics. You know, When you have something move very suddenly, a 50% step wave function of a reduction in supply issuance is pretty extreme. I mean, you don't see it in, in, in networks outside of something like this. You just don't. Um, 
the public just very much so learned, uh, or is learning, about supply and about short selling and about audible, auditable, verifiable um, scarcity. Um, we're, we're learning that. Um, we saw this this huge rush in, 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 in GameStop when, when people realized that, oh shoot, I'm actually creating this feedback loop of uh, this blank check. It's blossoming that there's just no way they're going to be able to pay. Um, that, that big movement then moved into Dogecoin, which is a very funny sort of meme uh, fork of Bitcoin that has much faster blocks and has, has a humongous supply to the point that it's 100 billion was, was the initial concept and they accidentally, they, 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 meant, to, they meant to cap it at 100 billion and actually the, the way that they, what they programmed was they put a cap to the biggest transaction you can make on the network. So they accidentally capped the biggest transaction, biggest spend at, at 100 billion Dogecoin. But what they meant to do was cap the max supply. So it actually slowly inflates forever. Which is actually really cool, and there's something to be said about that. Um, but in terms of hard money, in terms of where do we want to put our money versus this dollar that is probably going to be hyperinflating shortly, um, you're not going to put it in something that doesn't have a cap supply. Bitcoin has more than a cap supply. It has a deflationary step function program supply issuance that has it happening every four years, every 210,000 blocks. And this creates, again, robustness, strength in the Bitcoin network. Always. This game theory, they're always stacking on top of each other. Always. So that brings into this, well, okay, so we, we learned about hash rate and, and, and now we've kind of figured out how the Bitcoin protocol sort of works, how it rewards miners, and, we, and we're understanding that credit and debit are yin and yang and they're connected. So what does that mean about the, 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 the price potential of, of what Bitcoin can reach. Well, if you look at it as we're taking a, uh, a game theory system that is encouraging, fundamentally verifiably encouraging positive uh, uh, participation in the network, it is positively rewarding you for being a good faith actor within the system. Creating this feedback of supporting people that feed into the network, and it has a limited cap supply with a programmed supply issuance step function deflating. What does that mean? So, for trying to figure out a, a sort of market cap price potential, basically, in the numerator of this equation of potential value, we, we have 21 million. That's how many bitcoins can possibly exist after 33 halvings. Which I think is wonderful. 33. It's always there whenever you look. 33. After the 33rd happening, there will be no more happenings. Bitcoin will will be about in 2140 or so. We're not exactly sure when it will be because we've learned that this difficulty adjustment is a variable thing. So the actual blocks being 10 minutes are a little bit variable, and there are definitely going to be phases, as we've experienced recently, where the hash rate is higher than the average consistently, and stuff is continually being added to the network. So. Again, it adjusts every 21, 12 blocks, but there's a, there's a more than good chance that we'll probably be there faster than we thought. Um, and every happening has been basically a little bit quicker than we thought it would be. Um, 21 million is in the numerator. Is it 21 million though? No, it's less than that. Bitcoin is for keeps. The beauty in decentralization is also the danger. If you fuck up and you put the wrong number in Bitcoin wallet, 
uh, address and you screw up a transaction, there's no one you can call to get that sent back to you. Um, there are, of course, people working on funky smart contract debuggers and all these cool things where you actually can kind of have these transactions that are still sort of immutable, but you can kind of, you know, there are people working on things because people are brilliant and people build on the network all the time and they do really, really, really cool stuff. But, you know, at its base, if you screw up on the Bitcoin network, you screw up. So there's a much, much less than 21 million. A bunch are lost. People suspect that Satoshi... Uh, is, is never going to touch their coins and that the damage that it would be done to the network of, of introducing, you know, a million bitcoins or so into the network, or, or, or rather onto the market, what that could do. Um, but honestly, it's still not that much. I mean, people people love to love to say, well, you know, Satoshi pre-mined, sure, I guess. But one of 21 million that hasn't even been, basically hasn't even been touched in 10 years, and uh, I mean, yeah, sure. One in one in twenty-one is is, a, is a, I guess a pretty big amount, but not compared to a lot of other cryptocurrencies that are on the market. I don't want to talk about them, but you know that it's true. Um, so far, we have every reason to believe that uh, that this that this was created in in good faith by this person, and that they won't be moved unless it's for a good cause. Um, I think that that could still happen. I think that there's a very very big possibility that those will end up moving at some point in a way that will be helpful for everyone. Seems to be kind of the nature of Bitcoin, and I hope that that happens. But you know what? We are all at an advantage as Bitcoin holders for Satoshi to not move his blocks, and for Satoshi to keep those those blocks, uh, or rather those coins, uh, you know, in those wallets and, and off the network, hopefully burned and thrown away forever. Because by taking out the supply, taking out one twenty one of of the supply means that now our token that was you know. The remaining 2021sts are now actually worth the whole the whole shebang. So they're 20 out of 20. So our, our Bitcoin is now worth more of a higher percentage of the network every time a Bitcoin gets lost. Our value of, of it being a part of this, you know, this potential network value. So every time a Bitcoin gets lost, the the denominator, excuse me, the denominator. Now, now it's the denominator. Now that we've we've taken the you know the 20 divided by 21 million or whatever and we take that we take that that number and then we plug that into the, de the denominator of, of the of the bigger function of the potential of the network so what is the numerator then so if we're dividing the potential the potential value of the network <clears throat> we're dividing it by by a, a token and we'll say it's 21 million even though we know it's less we'll say it's 21 million even for this example 21 million. Say, say all the coins come out, right? Satoshi uses his coins. 21 million float supplies moving around. The numerator is the potential energy arbitrage that can exist in the global network of energy, the global energy market. So it's basically you're putting in the numerator of an infinite number, the potential energy of the universe that can be translated and transmitted into trying to solve the, the the continuing hash function of the Bitcoin network. Does that kind of make sense? If the numerator is an infinite potential energy of the universe that is then divided and tokenized and demarcated into 21 million pieces, it doesn't matter how many, almost, sort of what your scarcity is in the sense that it's, it's as long as it's capped, as long as 
If you have an infinity in the numerator, the only thing you need to do is have not infinity in the denominator, and you have the potential, the price ceiling, of going, of being infinite. And when people say stuff like that, it, it, it seems so far-fetched and crazy when people say, oh, Bitcoin could be worth a million dollars. I'm sorry, Bitcoin can be worth a lot more than a million dollars. I think Bitcoin could be worth, uh, it's an unfathomable amount of money because it's worth more than money. You can't price it into something. You can't price it in US dollars. It doesn't make sense like that. Um, it's ultimately a bad metric, but it's gonna be a wonderful metric to show just how important all of the features of that we've such described, um, yeah, how important those are to transacting value at credit and debit. So it's, it, it's, it, its price potential is, is completely unfathomable. We don't know how long the network's going to go for. Um, we don't know how long humanity's going to go for. Um, we don't know how long the Blockstream satellites in space are going to... There's just so many things we don't know, but the things that we do know is that every 10 minutes or so, the Bitcoin block is going to come out. And uh, the, that 21 million cap is not going to increase. We know that. We're certain of this. So. Price potential, in, 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 if for some reason we're still using the dollar as a metric to value how much Bitcoin is worth, uh, I, I, I'm making this, the, this is the biggest prediction. I, 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 think, I think a Bitcoin can be worth over a billion dollars. Literally, I think that. And I know that's, that's insane, but it's not. Don't think of it as <clears throat> Bitcoin necessarily increasing its value. Its value is there. Its value is very apparent if you learn about it and you know about it. You learn about the tech and how the game theories play into each other. It, it rewards you by playing right. The value is there. It is the best, hardest money that has ever existed, that we that we will ever make or create. It, it is this wonderful, beautiful human experiment of, uh, of, a, of, a, of a new kind of social network. And to limit it by sort of this crappy, shitty scale of, of what a U.S. dollar is. I mean, it's just all that we know. We've just lived in that world for so long, but it doesn't mean anything. U.S. dollar doesn't mean anything. We're learning that now. It's, 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 the intrinsic value of it is to be able to pay your taxes. And that's cool, and that's fine, but that can change. Bitcoin stuff can't change. That's the difference. The things that make all that stuff, that make fiat important in the moment, contextually, in the 90s, in the 80s, is different than what made it important in the 60s because it wasn't fiat. It was based on a gold standard, right? So those things can change. We, we've seen it. We've seen people come and confiscate gold. We've seen people take the US dollar off the gold standard. Maybe not in our lifetime, but we have to remember history is not that far away and, and, and there's the potential for it to repeat itself. Not in a, I'm not saying to scare, I'm not saying this to scare you. I'm saying this to, to demonstrate so much more so how, how much Bitcoin is undervalued. And, and this is a great time to talk about Bitcoin versus everything else. Bitcoin versus everything else. What about other cryptocurrencies? I think we need to focus on Bitcoin when we talk about money. Because Bitcoin is something else. It's something special. And it's very different than the other cryptocurrencies that we hear about. And I don't, and I don't, I, I'm not as Bitcoin maxi as everybody else in the sense that I think that these other currencies are worth talking about. And there are other types of networks that are very interesting. And I'm going to talk about them later. I promise. 
and and I, and I, they're my hobbies, and I think that they're very very interesting. But they're not money. They they can be used to transact value um, every once in a while. But the the the, it, 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 the only other current cryptocurrencies that have any any worth, um, there it's going to be significantly less than the potential value of what Bitcoin can do. Um, I think that they're fun, and I, I'm not saying that you shouldn't you shouldn't learn about them, but. When we talk about money, when we talk about the financial revolution, when we talk about a global insurrection against the banking occupation, thank you, Max. When we talk about that, and Stacy, when we talk about that, we talk about it. Don't bring up that other stuff. And it's not to say that I don't think there's not merits to it. I just said that there are. Bitcoin is different. Bitcoin is the hardest, best, immutable, fungible verifiably scarce, digitally auditable, distributed ledger. It's, it is the honey badger of money, and it is coming for you, <laughs> for the, the, the wealth transactions uh, of the world. And it's not so much like it's, it, this is something I love to say, you've got you to gotta remove some of the, the humanity from it sometimes. This is, this is physics here. Uh, money is a language system, just the way like math is. Uh, there are physics to these systems, to inertia systems. And there is a physical switch that is happening right now where people are learning and realizing that the social construct that was true a week ago is failing. And people are losing faith and they are seeing behind the veil, behind the curtain. They will wake up and they are. And the questions that people have asked in the last few weeks, the, these things are important and people are waking up and noticing. And, and we still gotta help them and we gotta get them there. That's why I'm doing this stuff. It's important. And there's a reason why this is happening, because people are sharing and, and giving this information. This is this is the this is that hidden information stuff. This is the stuff they talk about. When when you wanna know what, what makes <laughs> what makes someone illuminate. It's this. It's this knowledge. And I'm not saying it's Bitcoin. But it's, it's the knowledge of the actual physical inertial, inertia and the physical systems that are actually occurring. These, the, the, way, the way things move, the way things vibrate and, 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 and frequent. That is what's happening here. This is, this is a moment like that. And I know it sounds weird and it sounds crazy, but it's not. Um, there is a thing in, 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 in quantum physics called the observational effect. And, it's, it's the, the very basis that Schrodinger's cats, that paradox is based on, where there's a cat in the box and there's a little bit of poison that's triggered by a lock, a very special type of lock that is only open to release the poison into the cat, into the cat's box if the electron is in a very specific space and it triggers the, uh, the lock to open and release the poison. The thing about electrons is we study them, we've realized that wherever we point our photon, wherever we point and we look and we observe to see where the electron is, we pull the electron out of a superstate and we put it right where we look. It's called the observational effect and it's something when you learn about, it's pretty hard to not apply it to things and, and especially to networks and especially to huge social networks that have millions and millions of eyes looking at it. And I, and I don't necessarily mean this in this new age way. I mean this in a very literal, hard way. If 
money is a social construct that is, um, you know, that is contained by the limitations of its of its infrastructure. When you have people humongously jumping on and, and, and going into this network to participate in it, at, at huge huge network, you know, Metcalfe's Law, explosions of people joining on. The, the type of, 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 of user uh, involvement that we've seen even just in the last few weeks, the volume has just been insane. When you see that kind of stuff, you know something's happening. Something very big is happening here. The eyes are looking at a new way beyond a veil. They're looking at something that they didn't know existed before. They're looking at a future that they didn't think that could exist before. That, that, that Garth Gulch, that, you know, this, this, that, that concept of, of this, through, via technology, this isolated existence where, where people can live within their own systems. We're here, we're there now. Um, cryptography can give us, can give us that safety, can give us that privacy. And, and Bitcoin can give that to us for money. Um, there are things that we need to work on with Bitcoin, and I think privacy is probably the most important thing. Um, I think we both, I say we, because speaking of humans, but we did it, we both did and did not do a good job on the baseline of the internet of putting privacy in, and there are ways to do it, but it's more difficult than it probably should be, and we should probably look into that with Bitcoin now. It might have gone too far um, uh, since we've really looked at it fundamentally. Um, that's another thing where it brings into, well, you know, some of these other coins, you know, privacy coins being a feature. Let's put it on Bitcoin. Let's let's focus on that. I, I, I think that there's there's reason to talk about privacy coins and the fun technologies, but let's bring it to Bitcoin. Bring it to let's Bitcoin. focus on it. Let's bring it to the best sound money. Let's bring, bring it to the longest chain. Let's do that. Let's make this thing even more robust. Let's get more eyes on it. I agree. I think we should focus. I think we should focus on Bitcoin. Um, we can learn from these other networks and come together and, and have great ideas. But even even the even the staunchest of all coins, fanatics, you know, you know, they really, they're really stacking those sacks.